The views and opinions of findings and or devices discussed in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. Facts represented constitute our understanding as of the time of the podcast, whereas updated factual information may be developed. They should not be construed as pronouncing an official Department of Defense's position, policy, decision, or endorsement. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host, Don Marion. Today, I'll be speaking with Ms. Amanda Ganot, a physician assistant and TBI subject matter expert at TBI-COE. Amanda and I will discuss a study entitled Associations Between Health-Related Behaviors and Self-Reported Cognitive Symptoms in U.S. Military Personnel Injured on Deployment. This article was written by Sarah Jurek and colleagues and published in the Journal of Psychiatric Research in August of 2023. Thanks for bringing this article to our attention, Amanda. So what was the study about and why is it relevant to military medicine? Hi, Don. Yeah, thanks for that question. So I found this study to be really interesting and very relevant to clinicians because I think so often we wonder how much do lifestyle factors really play into recovery and persistent symptoms, not just with TBI, but with a lot of different illnesses. So things like alcohol use, poor sleep, and comorbid psychological symptoms like post-traumatic stress are much more common in military service members who have experienced traumatic brain injury or TBI than their civilian counterparts. So how much do those things play into recovery? Physical activity also will play a big role here as service members, as they leave active duty service or after an injury, physical activity can decrease and this can impact recovery from TBI, particularly cognitive recovery. So this particular study aimed to take a closer look at that. The investigators wanted to look at how those modifiable factors may impact recovery trajectory in those with and without mild TBI. So specifically, the aims of this study were first to examine whether various health behaviors, including sleep duration, alcohol use patterns, and physical activity differed in injured military personnel with and without deployment-related mild TBI. And then second, they wanted to take a look at whether or not these health behaviors and deployment-related mild TBI history impacted self-reported cognitive PTSD or depression symptoms. Thanks, Amanda. Those are very common symptoms in the military and common problems. So how was the study done? This was a cross-sectional study of 3,076 service members and veterans who were participating in the Wounded Warrior Recovery Project. Mild TBI data was pulled from the Expeditionary Medical Encounter Database, or EMED system, which incorporates in-theater medical records with tactical, personal, and deployment information, including those from other U.S. Department of Defense databases. So only service members who met the DODVA criteria for mild TBI were included in the TBI group for this analysis. The comparison group consisted of deployment injured service members without mild TBI. The investigators then collected information on modifiable factors of interest, including a variety of self-report questionnaires, which I'll go ahead and describe those now. So the self-reported cognitive functioning questionnaire that was used was the eight-item NeuroQual 
version 2.0 cognitive function short form. This is a measure that asks participants to rate various cognitive problems like slowed thinking, attentional issues, difficulty with functioning in everyday life, things like planning and keeping appointments. And they ask them to rate them on a a five-point Likert scale. Total scores range from 8 to 40, with higher scores indicating better self-report cognitive functioning. The PTSD self-report checklist that was used is the PCL-5, the PTSD checklist for the DSM-5. And depressive symptoms were assessed using the PHQ-8 or the Patient Health Questionnaire. The PCL-5 is a 20-item measure of PTSD symptoms in which participants are asked to rate their symptoms again on a five-point Likert scale, and scores range from 0 to 80, with a higher score indicating a greater PTSD symptomology. The PHQ-8 is an eight-item measure looking at depressive symptoms in which patients are asked to rate symptoms on a four-point Likert scale, and these scores range from 0 to 24 with, again, a higher score indicating more severe depressive symptoms. So physical activity was assessed using the Rapid Assessment of Physical Activity, or RAPA, a seven-item yes-no self-report measure that assesses the level and frequency of aerobic activities and strength and flexibility exercises. And then the self-report sleep duration scale was assessed using a single item from the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index. For this study, hours of sleep were derived from the one question that was, during the past 30 days, how many hours do you think you actually slept each day? And this may be different from the number of hours you spent in bed. So if the answer was between seven to nine hours, they were considered to be in the adequate sleep category. And if they answered outside the seven to nine hour range, patients were considered to have inadequate sleep. And then lastly, Don, alcohol use problems were self-reported using the 10-item alcohol use disorder identification test or the audit questionnaire. So from there, the investigators analyzed this data using chi-square tests to examine whether rates of health behaviors, so things like recommended sleep duration, physical activity, and alcohol problems, differed in those both with and without deployment-related mild TBI. They also did an analysis of covariance, and that was used to determine the associations between mild TBI history and then each of the other health behaviors with self-reported cognitive functioning and symptoms of PTSD and depression. So thanks for describing those, Amanda. It sounds like a thorough evaluation of these individuals with what I might add are classic tests for each of those categories. So they're not tests that they came up with. They're tests that are widely used both in the military and civilian population. You mentioned the groups in this study, and I think it's an important point because this group pulled information from the EMED system, and all of the participants in the study had some sort of injury in order to be included in the EMED. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's correct, Don, and I'm really glad you brought that up. So, of course, I'll touch on this a little bit when we discuss the limitations of this study, but I think it's a good idea for our listeners to keep this in mind when thinking about the results. So, the EMED system captures all deployment-related injuries, not just TBI, and this cohort of service members was recruited using data from the EMED system. So, that's to say that all of these service members did sustain some type of injury during their deployment, but just some just did not have TBI. So 
they didn't really describe what those injuries were, and they did not take into account mild TBI or other injuries that could have occurred in garrison or while not deployed, so any lifetime history of mild TBI. Yeah, very important points, I think. So, Amanda, what were the results of their study? So, on average, participants were approximately 38 years old at the time of the study, and they were assessed about 10 years following their most recent deployment-related injury. Most were male, non-Hispanic, white, and had a history of blast-related injury, which I found pretty interesting. 75.8% of these service members had a history of blast-related injury. Analysis revealed that those with a history of deployment-related mild TBI were just as physically active and reported similar levels of alcohol problems as those without mild TBI, but they were less likely to report receiving the recommended duration of sleep. And this was statistically significant at 16.4% versus 21.7%. The analysis of covariance, including the demographic and injury characteristics, revealed that receiving the recommended duration of sleep, being physically active, and lower levels of alcohol intake were all associated with better self-reported cognitive functioning and fewer PTSD and depression symptoms in all groups, so mild TBI and non-mild TBI. History of deployment-related mild TBI was significantly associated with poorer cognitive functioning and higher PTSD and depression symptoms in this group. However, the effect sizes of mild TBI were very small in relation to sleep, physical activity, and alcohol use variables. So overall, poor sleep had the greatest impact on cognitive functioning and was seen more frequently in the mild TBI group when compared to the non-mild TBI group. And this is really not that surprising, Don, but it really does emphasize the importance of sleep interventions, particularly in this group of patients. TBI-COE has a full clinical recommendation designed for primary care managers, specifically addressing sleep dysfunction following mild TBI. And we also have some patient-facing materials on the topic that could really be useful to providers as well. That can't be emphasized enough. I mean, really, I think a a bottom line finding so far, if I'm understanding you correctly, is that poor sleep is a more important factor causing PTSD and depression than MTBI. Is that correct? Yeah. And of course, causality cannot be determined from this study, but poor sleep certainly impacts those cognitive PTSD and depression symptoms, regardless of history of mild TBI. Yeah, great point. So what were the limitations of the study, Amanda? So Don, first, this study was cross-sectional in nature. And as I just mentioned, of course, causal relationships could not be determined here. So as I mentioned before, the data set used was just deployed injury data. So lifetime TBI history or non-deployed TBI history was not taken into account for these service members. Additionally, the investigators used self-report measures to assess all patient outcomes and health behaviors rather than objective measurements or standardized clinical interviews. So As we've discussed in previous studies that use self-report measures, these are less reliable. And lastly, there was no information in this data set on the clinical care that patients in this cohort received following their injury. And I think that that could have made a big difference in whether or not patients would report these symptoms, you know, 10 years out from their injury. So based on what you just said, Amanda, I imagine you have some important key takeaways from the analysis. Well, yeah, Don. So I really think that this study demonstrates that we need to look into some of these modifiable lifestyle interventions when we're considering 
mild TBI recovery and treatment plans. So focusing on adequate sleep, decreasing or eliminating alcohol use, and then increasing physical activity could really have a significant impact on long-term recovery for those patients, whether or not they had a mild TBI. I'd really like to see a study in the future that could incorporate how addressing or applying interventions aimed at some of those modifiable factors into the acute or post-acute treatment plans after mild TBI would impact long-term symptom burden compared to a group who received little or no intervention related to sleep, alcohol use, or physical activity. I wanted to just raise one other issue I think is worthy of emphasis. The investigators eliminated those with heavy alcohol use. Isn't that correct? So we're not talking about people with diagnosable alcoholism. We're talking about people with mild to moderate alcohol use, correct? Yeah, that's correct, Don. I think that is a good point to bring up. All right. So thanks, Amanda. I guess that's all we have time for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes of Cubis by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Don Marion. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a branch of the Research Portfolio Management Division under the Research and Engineering Directorate of the Defense Health Agency and is led by Branch Chief Captain Scott Cota, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.